Hey everyone, and welcome to Unison Christian Church, the podcast. We exist to change our community with the life-changing truth of Jesus, elevate a culture of love and holistic growth, and serve as a family built on hope. Our desire is that today's message helps you discover fresh new ways of connecting with God. Now, here is today's message. Uh, So, uh, it was like I woke up one morning and realized that something I had always believed, something I'd always thought, was just wrong. It was just not how God worked. Uh, And I'll get to it soon enough here. I actually realized this morning that uh, Chase's sermon a few weeks ago, where he he called it Chasing Big, and I I called mine Chasing Truth, and that was on purpose. Let's just say that. Um, But in a similar way, uh, it's something that that has grown up in me over my whole life. Over my whole life, I've wanted to be right. I've wanted to know the truth and to know the right things. Uh, And I realized I was chasing that instead of the Holy Spirit. I was chasing that instead of chasing Jesus. Instead of radically giving my life to him so that he could uh, renew it. Um, I want to pray quick. Uh, I want to pray slow. I'm going to pray now. Pray with me, please. (laughs) Lord, thank you for uh, the opportunity to come and speak, to bring your word to these people this morning, to your people. Um, Lord, thank you for your promise that you'll come back again. Uh, For giving us a way to sing hallelujah to you until you come back until you come back and undo all the things that hurt our fragile bodies, all the things that hurt your people, when you undo car accidents and cancer and addictions and every other thing that's uh, plaguing your people, God. Come back soon, Lord. Um, In Jesus' name, amen. Um, so if you don't know me, my name is Ben, and I'm a part of Unison's family. Yeah, I volunteer in a couple of different ways here, and um, my main responsibility these days is leading the youth group. So actually, quick little commercial about that. Uh, we have youth group every Sunday night from 6 until 7.15. We gather here at, in the family room for worship and uh, prayer and a Bible study and some games. And it's a really great time. So if your Sunday nights are free, please come out and hang out. Uh, It's actually not happening tonight for some things came up. But it'll be happening next week, and we're really excited about it. And then I have two other little commercials for youth group. We have a, um, a conference coming up in two weeks on Saturday, November 13th. It's like an all day conference where we'll watch like a live stream of it, and it'll be you know, if, if teens in your age, please come hang out. It's the Dare to Share conference, and it starts at noon and goes until about 7.30 or 8. And then the last one is we're planning a, uh, a lock-in here at the church just sometime in early December where anyone who's a teen should come and hang out and play video games all night and play hide-and-seek and eat pizza and do whatever kids do, and it'll be a really good time. So, uh, again, if Keep an eye out for all of these updates. We don't have a date set for that yet, but keep an eye out for them. We're really excited about it. All right, commercial's over. Uh, So um, 
To introduce the sermon that I have prepared for today, I have to give a little background of my story. So I, uh, growing up, I've always been a pretty good kid. Like I wanted to know what was right and to do what was right most of the time. Um, I graduated from seminary last spring, uh, finishing eight long years of school since high school. And like I keep saying, I love being and doing right. I love knowing the right things and doing the right things because of that. That's just always been something that's how I've functioned. And um, I love to understand how things work. So this is, this is who I am, who God made me to be, and then I chose to act and be a certain way because of that, right? Uh, and that's, that's okay. We all have to figure out how to function and live in this world. Uh, it's difficult to put it simply what misconceptions I had that the Lord has been uh, showing me recently. I've been learning a far more robust theology of resurrection as well as how to be a parent. Uh, I've been think, rethinking youth ministry and how to best serve the teens here at Unison uh, in that. Uh, I've been rethinking political ideas recently, um, realizing that Christians don't have to vote one way or another or be in danger of hellfire. And that was, believe me, I believed that really strongly for a long time, uh, longer than I'm proud to admit. Uh, so this stage in my faith journey has been mostly due to the seminary training I received. I went to Grand Rapids Theological Seminary here in Cornerstone, uh, here in Grand Rapids at Cornerstone University. And uh, during seminary, I learned so much about myself. I learned how to explain my thoughts and my reactions to things. I grew emotionally so much. Um, one tool we use to understand our personalities is called the Enneagram of Personality. Maybe you've heard of that. And Ennea means nine and gram means picture. So it's just a personality system that you can explain with nine types. And it's just a picture. So that, that's a, one picture of it. And there's nine different personality types. And I learned that I am a one, which is called a reformer or a perfectionist. This is someone who's driven by what's right, who wants to do it right. Uh, their motivation is based on achieving perfection, not achieving in general, because that's actually a three with chases, but it's on, <laughs> believe me, believe me, knowing where everybody is in this, in this system seriously helps relationships in general. It, it was much better for understanding, you know, if my wife and I disagreed about something, well, here's why, and it was so much help, so much help, honestly, um, but anyway, I learned I was a one, and this makes sense. Like I've been saying, I like knowing the rules. I like clear expectations. I like clear instructions and doing it right. I'd like to reach perfection, and my normal um, pattern is either work really hard until I think I've achieved that or give up very quickly. So that was one thing that was awesome about seminary. Seminary was also something of a shakedown for me. That's what I've been saying recently. Uh, and I imagine it is for most people who really buy into it. Uh, I came to see many things theologically that were just nonsense or tradition only that was holding them up. Uh, but slowly through fits and starts, some of the unhelpful theology was cleared away by Jesus. Uh, one pretty clear example of this that it's, it's kind of... Uh, low stakes, but it, it means a lot, right, is that we say Moses wrote the whole Pentateuch, right? That's just, we just think that. The, the Pentateuch is the first five books of the Bible. It's the Torah, the instruction from God that he gave to his people Israel. 
And we've always traditionally believed that Moses wrote the whole thing. And we just say we do. And I say I do too. Uh, but actually, in, in Deuteronomy 34, Moses dies. So how do you write about your own death? Right? There, I, you can read it for yourself. He died in a very honorable way. You know, This was to give him uh, the honor that was due to him uh, on Mount Nebo, where God said that he should die and not enter to the land. Right? And so I'm not, here, I'm not trying to shake faith or something. You can trust your Bibles. But Moses wrote about his own death. That, that doesn't compute. That's not quite how it works. Uh, and that was, that was pretty hard for me to hear. Uh, so often we believe something just because we were always told to and we never questioned it. Amen. I'm not saying you always have to be questioning everything. That's not a solution. Or... That's a solution, I guess we've been saying in the staff team. Uh, I guess it's an inside joke. Anyway, that's not a solution for, for moving forward in life. Um, but when questions come, don't be surprised, because that's the nature of being a person, the nature of learning about God and being with God in this life. It could be a nudge from the Holy Spirit to take a step in a different direction, um, the truth is far more complicated than any of us were told in Sunday school. Amen. And that's one way that it's more complicated. But that's beautiful. It's beautiful when the truth is complicated and, and we see how God intricately wove together his word to give to his people. And we traditionally believe Moses wrote it, but it's, it's better than that. It's better than this simple Sunday school answer. And we should want to know the truth to follow it wherever it goes. To not be afraid if we have to leave behind some unhelpful beliefs or some untrue beliefs uh, to get a better picture of who God is, of, who, of how he wants us to live in this world or of, of what went into the writing of his, his word that was handed down to us. So that's something that it's, it's good to chase the truth in that way, to find out, to not be afraid of who God actually is. Um, but we can't only do that. That's not a basis for the relationship with God. And so ultimately, I'm still introducing here. Uh, but once we come to see the truth for what it is, it can make us uncomfortable, but that's okay. Uh, we realize that we've been believing something that isn't really in Scripture, and that's okay. Doesn't mean your faith was ingenuine the whole time, or that you hadn't been helped through a terrible situation by God or by the people that God put in your life. Amen. Actually, I made up a term that's, uh, that I kind of used to talk about realizing something that I believe that wasn't on purpose. So it's essentially, it's something I believe on accident. It's something that you believe just because, just because of this is uh, what happened in your life or the people around you just assumed it and never let you, never encourage you to question it or something. So that was one thing I believed on accident, and there's a lot of other things. And here's the misconception, right? The whole misconception is that you never really get there. That uh, you never really come to the complete understanding and knowledge of all God's truth with perfect doctrine. You can't just study it long enough to memorize all the answers. Living your life with Jesus is dynamic and unpredictable. Amen. It's dynamic and unpredictable. Amen. So we'll talk through a few uh, scripture passages that, that helped me with giving words to this change that's happened in me. 
but we can't chase truth at the expense of chasing God. Amen. That's really the, the center of this. Um, in my life, I, like I said, I woke up and realized that I was, I was just right, but I wasn't sustained. I had the right knowledge. I had, I had the right beliefs. I thought I did. But then I, you know, had a fail, you know, failed at ministry or I had, uh, you know, I'm, I'm still painting even though I have a seminary degree, right? Like I, I'm not pursuing like a ministry job or something. And, you know, I'm staying here and volunteering here and I love it here. Uh, but I, I knew all the right things, but I wasn't actually following God. I wasn't actually following the Holy Spirit into what he had for me to do. And let me tell you, this isn't on my school, believe me. They talk, all they talked about was the journey of knowledge from your head to your heart. There's like this highway between your, your brain and your heart that's been like broken since the Enlightenment, right? And we could talk about that forever. But ultimately, all they did was encourage me to, uh, to not let that road, you know, go unfixed. Um, but I left there mostly an egghead who couldn't feel or hear the Holy Spirit. I couldn't feel or hear the Holy Spirit. And when nothing in my life worked, that's when I finally picked up my journal and, and started to pray. Then um, I finally asked the Holy Spirit to help me before I got out of bed in the morning. And looking back, I can, I can see the warnings. Um, there was actually this youth conference I went to in high school that was nothing but highlights. Maybe you guys have a similar experience. It was nothing but highlights. And... Uh, they gave us a book to take home to read, and it was called Rumors About God, and I never read it. And it was, exact this, it was about this exact topic where you, you hear about God, but you don't really know him. Ultimately, like all of this knowledge that I have is just knowing about God, but it's not actually knowing him. And so I had this, this conference experience where it was nothing but highlights, and it was life-changing. It was incredible. And then I went home and didn't think about it again. So many times I think we have moments in our lives where God is nudging us to, to think about it again, to, to reopen that door, to go back into that hard or painful experience and come out closer to him on the other side, right? Um, and I just didn't. Uh, like I said, there's a couple Bible passages in the Gospels that illustrate these points uh, so far. I want to draw attention to them because they're the basis of how God has uprooted this misconception in me. The first is in the birth story of Jesus in Matthew chapter 2. Um, this is when the Magi come to visit Jesus after he's born. It's just two verses, Matthew 2, verses 1 and 2. Uh, this is sometime in the first couple years of Jesus' life. Uh, you know, our traditional nativity scene shows the three Magi with the, with the hats and the three gifts showing up and giving the gifts to Jesus. That's fine to believe. Go ahead. But it doesn't have to be true based on what Scripture says, right? Uh, so I'll read the verses. <clears throat> Matthew 2, verses 1 and 2. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi came from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. And then you go on with the story of King Herod and his uh, he's worried about losing his crown and about Rome squashing them because there's another king. And it's, the story is really incredible. But I just want to focus on these first two verses. Magi, these are astrologers from a nation to the east of Israel. 
probably Persia or maybe um, Babylon or probably Persian astrologers, right? These are like court wizards or they're, they're people who study the stars and predict the future based on what the stars say. They read the heavens and they're, interp- they're experts at interpreting dreams, predicting what the future holds. Uh, they're watching the stars to see what the future would hold. And they see Jesus' star and they follow it and it works. So in my head, I, this astrology is off limits for the people of God. You don't, you don't figure out the future based on what the stars are doing. You figure out the future based on what God says about the future. And yes, God is the author of the stars, and we'll get to that, right? So ultimately, these people who didn't know God at all, didn't study anything that God said to study, looked at the stars and found the Savior of the world. And that is wild to me. That is, that is wild to me. That's not how this is supposed to work at all. Right? It's not. God specifically instructs his people not to do things like this. Uh, Deuteronomy 4.19 is, is a really clear verse. Uh, it's one spot where this is communicated, this expectation. Most people at the, times, uh, at the time of, of writing throughout the Old Testament and even into the early church period, most of those people thought that stars and planets were gods. That the gods who governed certain regions of the sky kind of had sway or told things what to do in their region, right? So God says, hey, don't look up it. I'll, I'll read the verse, right? And when you look up to the sky and the sun and the moon and the stars, all the heavenly array, do not be enticed into bowing down to them and worshiping the things the Lord your God has apportioned to all the nations under heaven. And so I'm just picking that verse out of context, right? There's a lot more going on there, but ultimately the, the point is that God asks his people not to worship the stars, not to listen to what the stars are saying and doing because they're not him. But that, like I said, a star is how these magi came to find Jesus. And how can we explain this, right? There, there's got to be some way, some way to explain this, right? Well, if you study it, various translations leave this, the word in Matthew 2 open to being a big light, some kind of space thing that could be a supernova or, uh, you know, an actual star or a big angel that appears like a star or just some kind of big light that God puts out in front of the, the Magi to lead them to Jesus. Uh, studying this verse in commentaries leads you with many possibilities. Uh, some say it was an angel revealing themselves to people who wouldn't have known what it meant. I don't bring this up to answer it and to put it neatly back in its place. It's not about getting it right right now. Whatever God was doing, whether this was a great light or a supernova or an angel or a really lucky timed comet, God led people who did not care about him to his son. Let alone they're foreigners. They're giving their lives to something that is not okay, that God said is not okay for people to do. And God led them to his son. If you study the Old Testament, you would find prophecies that talk about a star signaling the birth of a great king of Israel. That you can Google. That's, that's out there. Numbers 24, 17 is uh, one I didn't put in here, but it's, 
it's like there's a star going to rise up in Israel and rule, rule Israel and do God's will in the world. And that's good. You know, that's probably talking about Jesus, right? Uh, so some people in Israel might have expected a star to show up like this. But, like I keep saying, people who didn't know God still learned about his newborn king without caring about the Hebrew scriptures. They didn't study anything that God asked them to, and God still revealed himself to them. If the gospel writer, here's my whole point, if the gospel writer and the early Christians were as strict about being right as me, this story would not have made it into the gospels. This is not how God works. See right here, there's a dozen verses saying, don't use astrology to find out about the future. Don't look at the stars, look at me. And the people still looked at the stars and they still found Jesus. God doesn't work through astrology, you know. Uh, And the whole conclusion of all of that is that studying cannot prepare you for God's wild plan for the world. Studying cannot prepare you for God's wild plan for the world. Getting it right is not as important as being with him, as following him wherever he leads, as finding, seeking the truth truly, not for the sake of throwing it in someone's face or for the sake of correcting those people in the church down the street or for the sake of yelling at your family members who want nothing to do with God and are blowing their lives up. Studying cannot prepare you for God's wild plan in this world. It actually reminds me of a message that Chase gave a while back that actually came up again once recently. The whole point of the sermon was um, don't miss what God is doing because it doesn't look like what you're expecting. Like, don't be so focused on what you think God is going to do that you miss what he's actually doing. And I would, I would say similarly, don't let what you know get in the way of the new thing God might be doing. Uh, the next story that speaks to this misconception in me is in John chapter 3. So John 3, the first half of the chapter is um, about Jesus meeting with Nicodemus. And let me tell you, actually, and I have another commercial. There's a TV show called The Chosen that is very good. <laughs> it's, a, it's like an app. It's on... Um, NBC's uh, Peacock. So it's, it's, the, it's a TV show about the Gospels that kind of, it's, it's done theologically really well, and it's like fun to watch. And there's no real good Jesus stories out there that have both those things. And it's, it's still coming out now. There's only two seasons out. Anyway, they have an episode where Nicodemus finally catches up with Jesus and meets with him, and that has easily become my most favorite scene uh, of anything. Certainly in the show, maybe in ever. And it's incredible. Uh, please go watch it. It's free. Um, anyway, Nicodemus meets with Jesus because he hears interesting things about Jesus' teaching and ministry, and he wants to know more. That's the way we all come to Christ, right? Someone in our life lives the way God asked them to, lives like Jesus, and we're like, what is that? How does that work? Why, why, can I, why should you follow him, and how can I learn about this. That's how everyone comes to him, right? So again, like I said, Jesus and uh, Nicodemus meet in John chapter 3. And I just want to read a few verses. John chapter 3, verse 7. We have uh, Jesus giving a new teaching to Nicodemus that is hard for Nicodemus to learn and to hear, right? In verse 7, 
You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. This is Jesus talking. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but cannot tell where it comes from or where it's going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. How can this be, Nicodemus asked. And Jesus ends him right here. You are Israel's teacher, said Jesus. And do you not understand these things? Like, you've done it all right, Nicodemus. You followed and studied and lived with integrity to be put in a place of honor in your community. Pharisees often get a bad rap in the Gospels because they are famous for missing the point of what Jesus said. But Pharisees, when they're doing things right, and really before Jesus, with all of their shortcomings, there's, there's a lot wrong with how they've functioned. But these are like super pastors. Like these are, these are incredible leaders of integrity who've done it right, who've earned honor for themselves in this life by the way they've followed God. Nicodemus has done it. He's gone through the right paths. And you've got to watch that verse because, or that, uh, that show of the chosen because Jesus is like, give up your position and follow me. And Nicodemus is like, I can't do that. You know, oh man, it's so good. I'm going to go watch it again tonight. Um, all the knowing in the world can't tell you what wind is going to do, right? That's why I bring up this verse is, where, where Jesus is talking to Nicodemus, who knows what's going on. He knows the law. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it's going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. All the studying in the world can't tell you what wind does. Maybe there's math out there or someone who's testing aerodynamics of cars. Maybe someone has a pretty good idea of how wind works, right? But you don't know everything, right? This is the, the butterfly effect. There's the old movie about it where the wing beat of a butterfly, you know, somewhere in, in South America affects a hurricane up north. Or like the, the, the way things happen in the world always has another effect on, on everything else in the world, right? You don't know what wind does. And this is Jesus' point, is that you can study and know and be as smart as you want. You can memorize the whole Pentateuch. And yet you still don't know what the wind does. You still don't know why the flag blows this way or that way. This is the life that Jesus calls us to. To forget what we know, putting it aside to act like wind does. Right? So... This actually has come up in each of the sermons. This doesn't mean giving up basic wisdom, like not wearing shoes when you go on a walk in the winter. Like, you should still wear shoes. You know, you know that, but you shouldn't give up that one, what you know, right? This is about following God wherever he leads, even if it doesn't line up with what you know. Amen. Even if it doesn't line up with how, how you think he's supposed to work. Living a life led by the Holy Spirit requires a posture of obedience and mobility to where he might call you. Amen. Obedience and mobility. The way wind works is the air doesn't get to decide that it's not going to go where it's being blown. It's air. It has to go. And it can be moved, right? We've seen all kinds of terrible natural disasters happening. Air does a lot of things. It can do a lot of damage. It, does, it achieves a lot of things, and it breaks a lot of things, too, because our, our world is broken, right? Jesus, come back, please. That obedience and mobility is the mark of a person who lives their life in the Spirit. 
Yes, thank you. I have a daughter who's a similar age, and she loves to speak too, so (laughs) it's really nice to hear. Um, Gaining knowledge and knowing what is right is really just another form of doing for God and not being with him. Just another form of doing for God and not being with him. We actually got to talking about uh, some of this yesterday at Man Time. That's the men's group that meets here every other Saturday, and we met yesterday. It was really cool. Uh, without going into the whole conversation, uh, it was ultimately about like following the law that God gave his people. If you're just following the laws, just because it's the right thing to do, just because it's the law, you are uh, ignoring the relationship with God that should come with it. Uh, it's actually a burden to follow the law, if you're just following it because it's right, without the sustaining, uh, sustaining of God to actually carry it out. He's given us a responsibility to love him and to love others well. That's our law, right? That's the law written on our hearts. We talk through the New Testament about love God, love others. That's the one we get to do all day, every day. And it's our job to figure out how that looks. It's not one or the other, right? It's God tells us in his word that he wants us to be his and to do good works. He wants us to follow him and to show that we are made of, uh, of his hands, right? Where he said it in Ephesians 2 where he said, we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, right? We, we exist to be with God and to do good things in his world. Amen. It's not one or the other. Studying your way to God might make your mind feel closer to God, But God is the one who renews our hearts as well as our minds. Our whole being is renewed when his spirit comes into us, not just one slice of us. So uh, I'll move into reflection and action now. As, As we go on today, there's the point. You can't study your way to God. So don't fall into the way that I fell into following him for so long where I thought I would learn all the right things, have all the right conclusions, and ultimately, I would know God, you know, inside and out. And now, of course, that's absurd. That's ridiculous to think. Um, but don't fall into that. There's, that's what you can reflect on as we go. Um, don't fall into the pattern of thinking that, that I had, that I could know God by reading about him and studying books and papers and sermons and all the things other people have written in their study of him. And then for action, here's my encouragement for you. Trust the Spirit of God when you face trouble. Whatever trouble looks like in your life day to day, whether it's a breakdown of relationship or an addiction in someone's life or your own life or, you know, a hospital stay or a loss of a job or whatever those troubles look like, or if it's a crisis of faith when you realize, oh my goodness, I've been believing something that is just not in Scripture. Trust the Spirit of God when you face trouble. And here's my last encouragement is ask God and someone else for direction from the Holy Spirit. We were not made to be uh, minds on sticks who follow God on our own. Right? He gave you to me and he gave me to you. Amen. And he gave you to me and me to you. Right? We, this is our spiritual family that God knit together. Amen. So lean on each other. 
I know there's a lot of people in my life who know how to hear the Spirit more clearly, more often than I do. And so I trust them. I, I trust the Holy Spirit through them, right? Uh, there. I will pray. Lord, would you please sustain us until you come back and undo all the broken things. Would you reveal yourself to us so that we can know you and be with you rather than just knowing about you or just serving you without leaning on you in our pain and our stress and our struggles? Lord, would you guide your people as they go on with the rest of their days uh, that they would depend on your spirit for more than their next breath that we wouldn't just say it, but God, it would actually be true. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode and believe others could benefit from hearing about us, please remember to share and subscribe to Unison Christian Church wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also catch us live at unisongr.com or on Facebook. See you next week.